Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to encourage you uh, to turn to the book of Jeremiah. We're going to be hanging out in the Old Testament a little bit today. Um, I hope that's okay. Excited to do that with you. So find book of Jeremiah chapter 29. You can go ahead and put a bookmark in that for now. Uh, but we've been in a series called Family Vacation the last couple weeks. And we've been talking about how our faith is a journey and what that journey looks like. But as we began this series, we knew that taking vacations and getting away is something that we have done a little bit less of this past year, probably. Uh, but we hope that with the rollout of vaccines and all of those kinds of things, that traveling is something that becomes a little bit more uh, possible and normal for us again. But this past week, my family was actually able to make um, some reservations to take a little bit of a trip ourselves. We We have not traveled a lot this past year, uh, be it because of the pandemic or we have a seven-month-old right now. And so we weren't sure if a vacation would have actually been much of a vacation for us, actually. So uh, we haven't traveled a lot, but we are excited. We did it. We made some of those reservations. We jumped on Travelocity. Uh, book some hotel reservations, and we're excited to get away for a couple of days. But while we were booking those rooms, the website, of course, is riddled with helpful advertising uh, for anything that you may need for your traveling. And one of the ads was for Southwest Airlines. And you may be familiar and remember the Southwest tagline that they have always asked us, want to get away? And it's a tagline that has been incredibly effective and I think humorous for them over the years. But when I saw Southwest pop up, I thought, it seems like an incredibly rude question to ask us this year. Because most of us, in response to this past year, would have said emphatically, yes, we would love nothing more than to get away from where we are, be it challenging circumstances, changes at school, or work, or political tensions, or just this pandemic in general. Most of us would have been happy, in one way or the other, to just get away. But this morning, we're going to take a little bit of time and talk about what are we to do when we can't get away, when we feel stuck, when we're in situations or places that we would honestly rather not be in. Because that's really what the last year has been for many of us. We've been living in these less than ideal circumstances. But the question that I think is worth asking is, how is it different for Christians? The entire world has been sharing these challenging circumstances, and we're going to continue to share challenging circumstances even after we move out of this pandemic. But how are people who call themselves followers of Jesus to respond when we find ourselves in circumstances that we really don't want to be in, when we might just rather get away? Our passage this morning is from Jeremiah 29, and I promise we are going to read that here in just a second. But I know if you're like me, when you hear Jeremiah 29, you automatically jump to verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. 
We know this verse really well, right? Outside of John 3.16, this might be one of the most well-known and most quoted verses in all of Scripture. We like to be reminded that God has a plan for us, right? This is good news. We need to hear it. But today we are looking at more than just verse 11 because there is so much more to this passage if we understand it in light of what's going on in this passage for the people of Israel. And so um, as we explore then this morning how we are to live as followers of Jesus when our world is one for maybe we would rather just get away. I do want to invite you to go ahead and stand with me as we hear these words from Jeremiah chapter 29. We're going to be reading from Jeremiah 29 verses 4 through 14. And I'm reading from the Common English Bible this morning, so it might sound just a little bit different. The Lord of heavenly forces, the God of Israel, proclaims to all the exiles I have carried off from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Cultivate gardens And eat what they produce. Get married and have children. Then help your sons find wives and your daughters find husbands in order that they too may have children. Increase the number there so you don't dwindle away. Promote the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because your future depends on its welfare. The Lord of heavenly forces, the God of Israel, proclaims, Don't let the prophets and diviners in your midst mislead you. Don't pay attention to their dreams. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I didn't send them, declares the Lord. The Lord proclaims, When Babylon's 70 years are up, I will come and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. I know the plans I have in mind for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for peace, not disaster, to give you a future filled with hope. When you call me and come and pray to me, I will listen to you. When you search for me, yes, search with all of your heart, you will find me. I will be present for you, declares the Lord, and I will end your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and the places where I have scattered you, and I will bring you home After your long exile, declares the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. And our response is always, thanks be to God. You may be seated. And so I do love this passage for us. I think it's incredibly relevant for us in the world that we are living in today. But as popular as Jeremiah 29 is, especially that verse 11, I'm not sure how much we realize this is an incredibly challenging thing that the people of Israel are called to do in this passage. And so I have to ask you just to indulge me for just a few minutes this morning because we do need to understand that this is an incredibly challenging season that the people of Israel have just entered into. This is a dark, dark time in their history. And in the passage that we read this morning, they have entered into a time of exile, into some days that they never wanted to experience. The Babylonians had come to Israel, they had invaded and taken Israel as exile. And so in Babylon, Israel found a very different life than they had been used to. They found a city that was filled with very different groups of people and radically different worldviews than they held. Different political allegiances, different moral standards. And so they now find themselves living here in a place that they are now forced to call home. That they never wanted to be at all, and now they are forced to call it their home. And so all of this sounds incredibly 
familiar to them and not in good ways, I don't think. They know from their scriptures, their story of their ancestors and their ancestors who lived in Egypt and how difficult that time was. And so they must just be feeling like, here we go again, right? This is our people's story. And so there are people that are looking for hope. They're looking for some good news. And so they just want to get away. And so they're thrilled when some false prophets begin to say, don't worry, we're just going to be here for a few short years. This is going to be a short exile. We'll be out of here before you know it. But if you remember from the passage that we read, Jeremiah says, that is not the case. In verse 10, he says, we're going to be here for a while. In fact, he says, we're going to be here for 70 years. He's saying, you need to be prepared to spend the rest of your lives in this place. It's a place that is going to become home to your children and your grandchildren. It's all that they're going to know. So Jeremiah is saying that you're going to be here in exile for the long haul. This is going to be your new home. Now this morning, whether you're here in the building or you're watching online, I'm not sure uh, that we think of ourselves as exiles. I'm not sure that we think in those terms. But this morning, I'm convinced we as Christians, as modern Christians living in America, have a lot in common with Israel in this passage. I think we might actually have more in common with these people than we do with the New Testament church and the early church. Because in the early church, there was this expectation that Jesus' return was right around the corner, that they had just tasted life with Christ and they had seen what his kingdom was going to look like. And so they were eager for him to return and set up that kingdom in its fullness. So there was all of this expectation and excitement in that early church. But in the Old Testament, it was a little bit different. There was a little bit of a different mood. It was about waiting. The Old Testament is full of passages that ask, how long, O Lord? How long until you arrive? How long until you come? Until you listen? Until you save us? Is this understood idea in the Old Testament that they were here for the long haul? It was going to be a while. And so for us this morning, While it is completely possible that Jesus could return at any time, I do believe that most of us, if we're being honest, we live as if we are here for the long haul. We plan that way. And so we may not see ourselves as exiles this morning. That's okay. We haven't been forced to relocate. We haven't been violently relocated. I don't want to give us a victim complex this morning and think that everything that is true about Israel is true about us. But we do find ourselves living in a world that is very different than us, that thinks very different than us, that does very differently than we do, that has different moral standards than we do. And where the church used to be more central to culture, we used to have a little bit more of a voice, a little bit more influence in our world. In a lot of ways, we've been pushed to the margins of society. And so I think it's worth asking the question that Israel would have been forced to ask themselves as well. How do we live over the long haul as strangers and exiles in a land that doesn't feel much like our home? In a society that lives and thinks differently than we do. How are we supposed to live when we no longer have the influence and the power and maybe when we would rather just get away?
In 2015, Morgan and I bought our first home. And for the most part, we really, really enjoyed being homeowners. That was a good experience for us. When you buy a house, you anticipate that there are going to be some projects that pop up along the way. Uh, you're going to have to repair some things, and that's okay. Uh, these are going to be things that you tackle. It's part of being a homeowner. But the one home project that we did not expect was when we discovered that we had something living inside of our chimney. Okay? I get to tell you this story this morning. It all started when we noticed some noise coming from uh, our chimney. We, we thought maybe we had some squirrels hanging out up there just playing. Not a big deal, right? Uh, but as time went on, we began to notice that the sounds were becoming louder. And they seemed to also be getting closer as well, which was disheartening. And so one day, it was so loud we realized that what we assumed was a squirrel had made its way all the way down into our actually actual fireplace. At the time, we had a couch that sat in front of the fireplace there. So I pull up the couch, and looking up at me is not a squirrel, but a baby raccoon. Okay? If you know anything about baby raccoons, there is a good chance that mom is not too far away. And so, long story short, uh, we had a family of raccoons that had made their home in our chimney in our fireplace. And so, well, I am sure that they've thoroughly enjoyed the shelter from the hot summer days and from the rain. Morgan and I were not nearly as thrilled about this situation. This was definitely a want-to-get-away kind of a moment for us. Uh, but we had absolutely no intention of sharing our home with raccoons, and it was kind of unsettling that the only thing between us and these raccoons was that glass of our fireplace door. Uh, but I will say our son Owen, who was about three at the time, uh, was not nearly as upset. He thought maybe we had uh, had the zoo come to us or we had got a new pet or something like that. He'd just walk up to the glass and wave at this raccoon, right? Um, but for me, after hours on YouTube trying to decide what to do about this problem, I decided that I did not want to die. And so I decided to call the pest control company and pay them an unfortunate amount of money to help me with this situation. But um, I tell you all that this morning. First, because as a pastor, your job is to take the ridiculous things that happen in your life and turn them into sermon analogies. That's part of the job. But the other reason is we were not thrilled to share our home with these raccoons, even for a brief period of time. And for obvious reasons, we found a lot of comfort in that barrier between us and the raccoons. There was the metal screen, and there was the glass that locked, and so there was really no way for them to get any closer to us. Now, don't get me wrong, they were still way too close for comfort, but we were comfortably separated from them. We were forced to share our space, but we wanted absolutely nothing to do with them. The goal, if we're being honest, was to live largely unaffected by these raccoons, even though we were sharing the same space. And so I recognize that every analogy has its limits, but we're going to jump all the way from raccoons back to the people of Israel this morning, okay? Israel found themselves sharing a home with people that they never intended to share a home with. They weren't supposed to be in this situation, and it would have been really easy For them to have barricaded themselves from the Babylonians. To have retreated and withdrawn from them. To let the natural barrier of hate that would have existed between their groups. To draw them apart. To just say, we hate you. You hate us. Let's do our best to stay out of each other's way. And go on living largely unaffected by one another. 
And I know I just used, I used the word, big word there. I used the word hate. It's a heavy word, right? But you have to remember that the Babylonians didn't exactly come in and ask if it was okay if the Israelites were carried off into exile, right? There was bloodshed. There was violence. Families and livelihoods were destroyed and disrupted. And so I think it's fair to assume that there would have been a lot of real hate for the Babylonians in this situation. And so it would have been natural for Israel to want to withdraw and just to safely separate entirely from that culture and that society. Who could blame them if they wanted nothing to do with Babylon? But the passage that we read this morning from Jeremiah 29 calls Israel, and I believe us as well this morning, to respond differently. When we find ourselves in these situations in which we would rather just get away. And so I don't, I don't know if you have your Bibles open still this morning, but I'm going to read part of it again for us. It should be on the screen for us as well. But Jeremiah says, this is what you were supposed to do when you find yourselves living in these places of exile. Build houses and settle down. Cultivate gardens and eat what they produce. Get married and have children. Then help your sons find wives and your daughters find husbands in order that they too may have children. Increase in number there so you don't dwindle away. He's saying, live as if you were at home. Make this place your home. Which is challenging enough, seeing as it's the last place that Israel wants to be. They don't want to live amongst their enemy. They don't want to call this place home. They don't want to invest in this place and in these people. But then it gets even harder. If we read verse 7, it says, Promote the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because your future depends on its welfare. They are instructed to seek the good of this city. They're instructed to pray for their hated enemies. They're commanded to be a blessing to the people that they absolutely cannot stand. They're to love and serve their oppressors. It's funny, the Old Testament is starting to sound a lot like Jesus here. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Turn the other cheek. And so while I think our natural instinct is often to do this, to withdraw and separate ourselves from those who live and do and think differently than we do, I love this passage, but it is so incredibly challenging for us because it calls us to engage in a world where we may not want to be. We are called to seek the good of our city. But how do we do that? How do we engage a world while still acknowledging how incredibly different we are from it. This morning I wanted to share some words with you from pastor and author Tim Keller. He says this, he says, The way that you bear witness to God in your city is you don't go in there to work for your sake. You don't even work there for your tribe's sake, which is us, the church. But you work in the city for the city's sake. Don't lose your influence in the city, but use your influence To serve the city. And then Keller poses this question. What if Christians said, we're not here for the money. We're not here to make a name for ourselves. We don't need money. We don't need acceptance. We are simply here to serve as Christ has served us. Those are some hard words. Those are some good words. We've been living in what I think is a challenging culture for a while, a post-Christian society for a while, and it, it appears that it is going to continue to be that way. We're going to be living in exile for the long haul. 
But in addition to that, the pandemic has added some layers to this, right? We've been living in a very different kind of world with a wide spectrum of opinions and the tension that comes along with that. And I don't know if you've noticed, but all of that stress seems to have made opinions louder and stronger. And people seem more willing to identify who their enemies are and then hold them at an arm's length. But in a world where it it may just be easier for us to get away and to simply withdraw from those who are different than us, I wonder if God might say to us, like he said to the people of Israel, build homes, settle down, Seek the good of your city. Pray for your world. Serve others without expecting anything in return. And so this morning, I want to ask us the hard questions. I've got to ask myself the hard questions too. Are we doing these things? Are we seeking to be a blessing to our world without expecting anything back in, resp- in return? Are we, are we praying for our world? Are we praying for the people that we can't stand, the people that drive us crazy, the people who live and do differently than we would? And are we praying for them not because we hope that they come to see the world as we do, but because the love of God is just as strong for them as it is for us? Are we praying that way? Are we finding ways to serve our world, not because when we show up, We get power. We get recognized. We get influence. Are we serving our world because we cannot help share the hope that God has given to us? We know the restoration he's given to us in our lives, the healing that he's brought to us. Are we finding ways to show up and bring that hope to our world? in all kinds of different places, but especially in the places that we would rather not be, in a place where we would maybe rather just get away? These are really hard questions. They're hard questions for me to ask myself this morning. But exile is hard. But the good news this morning is that even in these really, really difficult times, these really difficult seasons of life, we have a God who is with us and promises that we will not be in this alone. In verse 12, our passage tells us, When you call me and you come and pray to me, I will listen to you. When you search for me, yes, search for me with all your heart, you will find me. I will be present for you. And so this morning, we are all living in challenging days, but we're all living in different circumstances too. So no matter where you find yourself, no matter what feels like exile for you, no matter where you find yourselves that you never thought that you would be, God promises that he will be present for you. And he knows the plans that he has for you beyond this moment. But he also knows the plans he has for you in this moment. He's calling you to be loved. He's calling you to serve. He's calling you to trust him beyond this moment. The title above our scripture passage this morning is A Disturbing Hope. If you have the NIV, it probably says uh, a letter to the exiles. But I read to you from the Common English Bible this morning, and it calls this the Disturbing Hope, which sounds like a Star Wars movie or something. But it's, it's disturbing because nobody wants to be here. No one would have asked to be in this situation. But it's hopeful because God has promised that he will be with us. 
He always has a plan for us beyond our circumstance. He's always leading us into a future that is filled with hope. But along the way, even in our most challenging moments in life, when all we want to do is get away, God's plan for us is to engage, to serve, to bless, to see our world not as the enemy, but as our home. Would you stand with me this morning as we close? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do thank you that you are a God who came to us. When we needed you most, you came to us and you called this world your home. And I pray that you would help us as your people to continue to seek what it means to engage in our world. We thank you for being a God who is with us, who has plans for us beyond where we are right now. And that you've invited us to be a part of your plan to bring hope to this world. And so I pray this morning you would soften our hearts. Help us to see the people around us, no matter how incredibly different they may be from us, with the same love and compassion that you have shown to us. God, give us eyes to see the world as you see it. Thank you for being our God who is good. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, as you go this morning, let me leave you with this blessing. Now to him who was able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine by his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in his church and in Christ Jesus throughout all the generations, forever and ever. Amen. Go in his peace. Thank you for being here this morning. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.